Hello. It's been a while since we recorded the last episode of our MEP life, but Judith Bunting and I are back together. Yeah, well, so to speak. I mean, we're under duvets in different parts of the UK, (laughs) (laughs) but we thought we would bring you our lockdown life. Yes, we miss each other. We miss doing our podcast. We know lots of you enjoyed hearing about our experiences as MEPs, so we thought we would continue and have a chat about this very, very strange situation that we're all finding ourselves in now. Yeah, and it is so strange. I I find myself forgetting for an hour or so. You know, you get into a task and you focus on that. And then suddenly you remember that we're in this almost science fiction-like situation. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. And I, I find when I wake up in the morning that... I wake up and then it takes a few seconds and then I remember and I think, oh, oh, yeah, we're still we're still in lockdown. We can't go anywhere. We can't go out. We can't stay because we're stuck. Yeah, we know that there are people really suffering and people on the front line and and so much trouble going on all across the world with this. And yet we're sitting indoors. Um, Yes, it does feel very strange. And I don't know about you, Judith, but I today particularly have really struggled with the fact that we are sitting at home doing next to nothing. Whereas a few months ago, we were kind of right at the heart of things that were happening and big decisions that were being made. And and it feels wrong somehow to not be part of that anymore and just be spectators. Yeah, technically I count as a vulnerable person. So I've been ordered not to leave the, the flat, ordered not to leave my home by the doctor. It feels very um, feels very odd not to be trying to help, not yeah. to be trying to help to make things better. I am um, together with my next door neighbour who I get on very well with. She's a similar age to me and quite funny. She's, she's very political like me, but she's a stalwart member of the Labour Party. And um, we have had a conversation that has lasted many years about how I'm in the wrong party and how she's in the wrong party. Um, <laughs> Anyway, we, we get on great. So we set up a Facebook group for our street and a nearby street. And um, it's really interesting, actually, because we know a lot of our neighbours. But it's fascinating to see people joining who we've never seen before, even though we, I've lived here 11 years. And there are people who whose names I didn't know, but people who I've literally never seen because they come out of their house, get in their car and go off to work. And so that's been really nice. And we have actually helped each other out a little bit. Like somebody put a message on the other day saying, could someone go and get a prescription for them and people have been posting when they've been going to do some shopping does anybody need anything and so that's been welcomed by by the street yeah, but it's very different situations aren't we because you live in Reading and I'm in a small town in Devon and I have to say at the moment it feels here it feels quite far away it feels like it's really not affecting our town yet and that we're all shutting ourselves away and actually we haven't heard of anybody who's got it and you know it doesn't seem to be present in our community yet it would be so easy to get complacent and just think oh I'm bored with this now I'm going to go out and and yeah. that's when the trouble starts because that's when the infection rate is is higher in the community and which is another reason that social media is actually rather coming into its own because if it weren't for that um, I suppose one would watch the television a bit more, wouldn't you? You'd watch mm. more BBC news. But I've got more information about, or I've picked up more information about about the severity of the situation. Like that conversation a couple of weeks ago that ITV had, 
but I didn't see it on ITV. I heard it on the internet um, with two Italian doctors that that oh, was yeah. just yeah. horrendous, just just horrendous, and talking about running out of ventilators and having mm. to choose who gets them. Um, and it's that that's the kind of thing that yeah that we need to remember. We shouldn't be panicking, yeah. but we need to remember. Yeah, and talking of doctors, I read something very harrowing today on a local Facebook page. Um, and it was the husband of a doctor who had posted sort of on behalf of his wife. And she had got very upset about that applause, um, you know, clap for mm. our carers, and said that, you know, it was lovely, lovely sentiment and much appreciated and everything. But, you know, then this huge rant about how taken for granted they've been for so long and how underfunded they are and how they don't have the protective equipment and they're going in every day feeling like they're lambs to the slaughter and you know they don't even have free tea and coffee or they can't park their cars at work and all this kind of stuff you know that people have been talking about for years and years and years and that you know how dare the government make this look like you know it's a success story and we love the NHS and and that, that we as in you and I the public you know we that we mustn't forget all the stuff that went before this um you know they're all being hailed as heroes now but actually um yeah know, we need to support them afterwards as well well we should have been supporting them for years before and we oh certainly god yes support them afterwards and it was quite upsetting to read that and think that you know nobody can say a bad word about the nhs now can they but you know i'm just beginning to read this a story in tomorrow's guardian about how one of the reasons they don't have enough protective equipment is because three years ago the government decided it cost too much and they weren't going to invest in the stockpile. Oh, for goodness so sake! But he's just exposing, yeah. basically saying that that Jeremy Hunt decided not to not to stockpile because it was too expensive. Don't Coming bring... back to day to day life. Yeah. So you're with at home with family, husband, and two two not two teenagers, two young ladies. Yeah. So I've got husband. Um, and an 18-year-old who was at home anyway, who was about to sit her A-levels and was told that uh, there would be no A-levels. So that's been hard. Um, and a 20-year-old who was studying, doing a year abroad in Washington, D.C. as part of her degree course and had to be brought home from D.C. very abruptly. Um, and that was the end of her year abroad. So both Ooh. of them have had a massive shock. And... You know, it's uh, for me, it's fine. You know, I'm, I've been job hunting since leaving the European Parliament and I was just really getting into some serious job hunting and talking to people and applying for jobs. That's all been put on hold. But, you know, for me, it's not a massive change as to what had gone before. Certainly the previous few weeks I've been at home. But for the girls, it's been really tough. And, and I think, you know, all those year 13 kids who've worked so hard and were just coming up to their A-levels, and, and now they're not quite sure how they're going to be assessed. And they're, you know, those that didn't do very well in their mocks are very worried that they're going to be given the grades that they got in their mocks, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's been really tough. You're saying they haven't been told what the alternative assessment's going to be? Well, I don't think it's been completely decided yet. What we have heard is that it'll probably be a combination of what they got in their mock and some kind of teacher assessment. But yeah. we don't know what form that'll take yet. It's a bit of a challenge being all four of us in under one roof 24 hours a day. I, I can't remember the last time that happened. It's uh, it's a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> um, but that, I think we're probably, you know, I'm glad there are people around. I mean, for you, you're in a completely different situation, aren't you? Because you're on your own. So how does that feel? 
Well, there are swings and roundabouts, I would say. On the one hand, yeah, I would love it if I was in a bigger house. You know, at the moment I'm in a one bed flat. It's it's fine. It's sunny, which makes a world of difference. It would be lovely to be in a larger house with other people. But I don't have a problem. You know, I'm happy with my own company. And at the moment, I feel like I'm still catching up with all the jobs that I never got round to finishing because, I mean, I was extremely fortunate at the end of the MEP time because a television series that I get involved in every few years was asked to make some Christmas specials. So um, I've actually been sitting in the sunshine listening to and Christmas songs, which is truly weird, and talking to my young team about how we might animate them and, and who's going to be the presenters. This is the Death Guys I work with. It's a company called Flashing Lights Media, and I work with them to produce this series for uh, CBBS. Quick plug here, Magic Hands. They're presented by signers, but they are designed and produced for the standard children's audience. So there's beautiful music and lovely sound effects and great dialogue and so on. But I do recommend them. Um, there's some lovely poetry and poems and fun stuff. And we have pink flamingos and blue bears acting out things like the Lady of Shalott and Twelfth Night. I mean, frankly, it's oh, wow. so surreal. I do sit there sometimes wondering what world I'm living in. Oh, my God, jogging that really by. does sound quite surreal. It is very, very odd. Anyway, so so I've been working on that. So I haven't felt too bad. I mean, come back to me in two weeks, you know, when when because um, the project is obviously going on hold now. Um, because we can't film no and yeah in a couple of weeks it might calm down so much that that then I start climbing the walls but to be honest though it's another joy of the um, virtual world I mean we've had virtual drinks with the MEPs haven't we that was fun yeah so how many of us were there nine or ten of us and it was really lovely to see everybody smiling and having a drink and yeah and it's made a world of difference. I then did the same thing with my kids on Mother's Day, which was lovely. Then I had a call with another friend last night. I think she's finding it a little bit hard at home with two youngsters. And I thought, half an hour on Skype? What's the problem? You know, let's do this. Yeah, it has been remarkable. Our local Lib Dem exec team, um, which has an average age that is quite a bit older than me, I think. They've just got used to Zoom so that they can have oh. something their meetings on Zoom. So that. <laughs> That makes me laugh because technology has always been a bit of a challenge and I've tried hard to get them into the 21st century and now they're doing it without me. Just when you thought that you could avoid all the meetings, there is no I know, and you've got no excuse now, have you? Because you can't say that you're off somewhere else because everybody knows that you're really not. (laughs) I'm actually doing Berkshire for Europe. I'm speaking at their AGM on Monday. Um, But that should be interesting. It's not just me. We have the local Labour MP, who is Matt Rodder, and um, uh, somebody from the Green Party. really sorry i can't remember who but that's a so cross-party thing by zoom yeah i think it is zoom and um anyway i'm certainly going to make sure i brush my hair the other day i joined a meeting and i was still sitting in my pjs when the first person came on I'd forgotten <laughs> we'd all be on video so i had to dive out ah <laughs> yes the curse of the person who works from home and works in their pajamas since we're talking about families last week I interviewed a wonderful woman, an old, well, a friend who's a retired counsellor, and she's been a relationship therapist for years, used to be senior relationship therapist at the Maudsley in London. Hmm. And um, I won't go into all of what she was talking about, but she came up with some really 
practical, sensible things to do if you're at home with your family. And I have just this afternoon posted them on to judithbunting.co.uk. So they're easy to find now. They're just two five minute clips. And she talks about sitting down together and acknowledging what is happening, which at first I thought was a little odd. I mean, we know what's happening. But she said some people are still in denial. They don't accept it's going to go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you don't sort of within yourself accept it, then that's when we're going to get anger and tempers and that sort of thing, which I thought yeah, was very I, interesting. I that interview, and I thought that was actually a very good, a good piece of advice. I mean, we have had conversations with the with the teens, with the girls, um, about the reality of this, and you know how everybody's going to have to be their best self really because it's going to be a struggle for all of us and you know it's to take a bit of effort all round to try and maintain civil relations in the house and be nice to each other yeah be nice be kind I like yeah. what you said there be your best self I like that yeah um, she also talked about making sure that each of us and, and we all you know we help the others in the family but that for ourselves we have a list of a few things that we know make us smile make us feel good she said smell a flower put on some perfume mm. look at an attractive book you know not read Dostoevsky and you know run around the block but simple simple things so that when it's all getting on top of you 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 can go to the list and be reminded yeah I think that's really important and the other day when we all got together on zoom I did actually I'd been in the garden or decorating or something so I had a shower but I did actually decide to put a bit of makeup on which wasn't yeah. because I wanted everyone to see me with makeup on but I suddenly realized that actually I could spend the next three months just dossing about in leggings and not bother with anything and and actually it makes me feel better when I've sort of made a bit of an effort with myself and I think that's really important that we try and do that occasionally yes um, just mark a bit of a difference between what's going on in the day you know like you go yes work and you come home and you change well if nobody's going anywhere then you just you could you know as my you girl could just fester could quite easily just spend 24 hours a day in your pajamas so you wanted to talk about the importance of exercise versus chocolate well, yes. I, I mean, there have been some fantastic memes, haven't there, going around about how we're all going to look at the end of this isolation period. And um, there is quite a bit of chocolate in the house because my mother-in-law decided to buy us an incredibly generous, beautiful box of chocolates from Hotel Chocolat for Easter. So that arrived yesterday. And um, there is a bit of wine in the house. And because of the returning students, there is also various other flavors of alcohol and I'm just thinking you know sitting here during the day eating some chocolate you know a couple of glasses of wine in the evening the pounds could quite easily pile on couldn't they so I am yeah. I'm buying into all this home exercise stuff big time I must admit that I so far I've spent more time looking at the exercise apps on my phone and trying to decide which one to download than actually doing any of the exercise <laughs> um, and I don't think that works but this morning I got up and I did the Joe Wicks workout at nine o'clock. So, you know, personal trainer Joe Wicks and he he's doing a, a nine o'clock um, exercise class on YouTube live every day, Monday to Friday for the nation's kids. And the idea is that they get their PE lesson um, with Joe Wicks. But he's also encouraging mums and dads to join in, too. And it was really difficult. I mean, well, 
you know, it didn't last long. It was half an hour, but it was quite high intensity. And he finished with burpees, which are my least favourite exercise in the world. And I really felt at the end of it that I'd done a bit of a workout. So that's what I'm going to do. Nine o'clock every day, I'm going to do Joe Wicks. And then... And he's just on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay. And then walk my dog. I have to walk my dog. But walking my dog doesn't really count as exercise because I've got a very slow dog. So um, it's not like I can go for a run with the dog. The... The only thing I've done so far is to pick up the clip of the Macarena, which um, our, our colleague Dinesh shared with us. And it's part of André Ouilleux. I don't know if you're familiar with his concerts, but he's a very extravagant European conductor. And he has a fabulously huge um, orchestra. And everybody dresses in beautiful white tie and tails. And the ladies are in fabulous ball ground frocks and massive, massive audiences. And there is the most fabulous, fabulous presentation of the Macarena by the original oh, Spanish outfit. Oh, you've got to look at it. I, I might even post this one on jb.co.uk because it is such fun. And I managed to miss the Macarena when it went round all those years ago. So I never learned how to do it. So that's been my exercise. But it's the company. You know, I'm not lonely. But it's the company I think I enjoyed and the energy from all the other people as yeah. much as anything else. So I like what you say about Joe Wicks and I may well try that. And I think that. it's nice to feel that, you're, that you know there are loads of other people doing it. I mean, this morning yeah. he said he'd had 800,000 people or something doing it. Oh, my once. goodness. Yeah, it's incredible. But, so it's really taking off and people all over the world are doing it. So It's, I suppose, a little bit like live broadcasting used to be. You know, people used to join for a moment. You know, not yeah. for yesterday's moment or last week's moment. You join for a moment that you can share together. I wonder what we'll learn from all of this as a society. Broadcasting's relatively trivial compared to the NHS, but I wonder if live TV will come back into fashion again. And are we going to have forgotten how to hug and kiss and hold hands? You know, when we greet people and shake hands. I guess it depends how long it lasts. I think that human contact, I think we'll get back into that very quickly. I think people will remember the need for, for human contact. I am hoping that there will be a bit of a reset. I mean, I think it's difficult to go through something like this and not come out of it knowing what you value and what is important on a sort of bigger scale rather than the, the, the personal. I hope that there will be... As a, a kind of reset you know this is this is the opportunity we've got to really change the way we do things change the way we work change the way we live um to try and protect the planet and i mean the one thing that is really going to benefit from this is the planet and it's almost sometimes it feels to me like sounds sort of fanciful to say it but i i i sort of feel that the planet has has just said to us look i've had enough now you want to live here, that's fine. You want to live on planet Earth, you can stay on planet Earth, but you need to sort yourselves out. You need to change the way you do things and then maybe we can get along a bit better, you know. So go to your rooms and just have a think, have a long, hard think about the way you can Maybe when you come out, we can do things a bit differently. Um, it is lovely to hear about, you know, fish being back in the Venice canals and, and yeah. clean, clean water there and clean air in Beijing and so on. The other thing, okay, jumping sideways slightly, the thing that I've been wondering is whether whether the idea of a national wage will be easier for people to swallow after the help that the government has had to give out. What, like a universal income? Yeah. So 
the fact that that they're having to guarantee 80% of of PAYE wages and supporting self-employed people to the tune of 80% of the average of their three years last incomes. And you think, I wonder whether the administrative structures will then be in place. This whole thing that the government set up to pay people's wages and pay self-employed people everything it's extremely complicated. It's going to be very, very, very difficult to administer. And I think it would be much easier if they went down the route. America is apparently going down or Canada where, you know, just everybody gets the same. Everybody gets a check and they won't need it, admittedly. But decide how much it is, £1,500 or £2,000 and and just, just give everybody that for three months. See where we are afterwards. So, so thank you for listening. It's been lovely to be here again. Very nice to talk to you again like this, Caroline. It is lovely to talk to you again, Judith. And I'm missing our radio <laughs> studio in Brussels and our headphones and the sound engineer sitting through the window waving at us. And our lovely staff who are all up there. Hello, Appers, if any mm. of you are there and listening. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hello, Connor we miss and you all. Yeah. Yes, we miss you all so much. So we will meet again next week and have another chat about how lockdown is going and what's in the news and what developments are happening. Um, and we're both on Twitter. You can find us at Judith Bunting LD or at Caroline Bowden. Yeah. OK. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to us chattering away. And yes. uh, we'll speak to you next week. We'll speak to you next week. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye bye.